It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everyone. I am Ellie Nieves, and this is the Bible Talk hosted by Christian Career Women. We are so happy that you are able to join us today. We are uh, continuing our Bible study series on life management for busy women. We've been using this book by Elizabeth George to guide our discussions. And today we're going to be talking about managing your home life and your financial life. So uh, really meaty topics, and I'm excited that we've got two wonderful panelists that are going to join us in our discussion today. So Nicole Martin and Cristel Contreras are two women of God. I've known them for a very long time, and uh, I've invited them because I respect them highly. I respect the way they run their lives, their homes, and their finances. And I thought that you guys would also benefit from their wisdom. So I am going to ask both Christelle and Nicole to introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about themselves. Nicole, would you go first? Okay. Hi, everyone. It's uh, a pleasure to be here. And I'm honored to be doing this with Ellie and Christelle. And like Ellie said, um, we've known each other for years, uh, uh, first as Christians and then as um, colleagues at um, MetLife in our previous uh, yeah. life, right, in our previous yeah. career. So. Um, I uh, have been a Christian since 1991, so I've lost count of, I can't do the math anymore. <laughs> um, but I've been a Christian since 1991. I've been married um, for 25 years. So last year was 25 years, and this year will be 26. And um, we have three boys, all of whom are in college at the moment. Wait, um, wait, wait. You have triplets. I have triplet boys, yes. <laughs> triplet boys, and... Um, they're away at college right now, so they're actually finishing up their last um, semester wow. in college. And um, I, I think that's it for me. Um, two, two of them actually are Christian, so I'm, I'm really excited um, about that. Um, when they were first born, I, my prayer before they were even born was for... Um, I had a challenging time getting pregnant, and um, I promised God that I would do my best to um, return them to him um, if he blessed me with children, which he did. So he made my quiver full, which is good, and it's um, exciting that two of them have already made that decision. So one more to go. Amen. That's it for me. Thanks. Amen. Um, my name is Christelle Contreras McNeil. Um, I also know Ellie and Nicole for a long time. They were actually, both of them witnessed my wedding. Um, Nicole's husband sang at my wedding and Ellie was there with um, her husband and she surprised me with a lovely gift. She took pictures, um, candid pictures that later she prepared an album for me. So I'll never forget that. (laughs) But I admire um, both of these women tremendously and like Nicole, I'm honored to be here. And um, I appreciate what Ellie's doing with Christian career women. Um, I've been a disciple, a Christian, for the past 27 years. 
I found, um, I've always been searching. I grew up Catholic and I always felt empty and just searching for a deeper relationship with God and to understand the Bible, to really know what it meant to follow Jesus Christ. Um, so I found him in New York City, in Manhattan. He came from Puerto Rico um, in the year 1990 and 1992 is when I, um, somebody approached me, invited me to an event and I studied the Bible. Um, and um, I was single for 12 years and met my husband 15 years ago, 16 years ago, and we've been married for 15 years. Wow. I have, yep, already. <laughs> and I have uh, three children, one boy who's now freshman in high school, uh, and two daughters. One is a middle schooler, she's in seventh grade, and the other one is in upper elementary school, fifth grade. And I get to bring them to the district where I work. I'm also a teacher, uh, I teach Spanish. I'm very passionate and happy that I get to give my culture and my language to children um, in an affluent community, but that they're needing in other ways, um, emotionally and um, you know, in so many other ways. Um, and I mean, I'm not like Nicole, my kids are, not in, in college, I'm in, a I'm in the different thick of uh, struggle, which is, you know, different stages, but I love being a mother. It's the hardest job that I've ever done in my life. <laughs> but I'm grateful, you know, for all the support out there and a tool like this where we can help each other figure it out, how we can glorify God and how we can, um, you know, figure our lives out with him, with each other. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing about yourselves. I am now going to share my screen so that we can walk through our PowerPoint for today and we can walk through certain passages in the book and we can have our discussion. So again, we're using Life Management for Busy Women by Elizabeth George. Whether you have the book or not, it's fine. You can still follow in on the discussion. And I'm going to ask... Um, uh, both Christelle and Nicole, um, just to tell me what they think about these passages that I'm about to share. And they're, they're from the book. So on page 75 of Life Management for Busy Women, Elizabeth George writes, did you know that your home life is meant to convey a picture of heaven on earth to others, and especially to your family members? That's right. In the Bible, God uses home life as an illustration of his relationship with his church. And on page 77, she says, if you're not married or not a mom, that's okay. But every woman has a home, a place that can be managed to create a little bit of heaven on earth. So just want to uh, pick your brains. What do you guys think about this concept that we're meant to create a little piece of heaven on earth in our homes? So I, I think what comes to mind for me when, um, you know, just reading that is, um, you know, the, the home and my home needs to be a safe haven for um, my husband, for my children, you know, it needs to be a place that they look forward to coming to at the end of a, whether it's a school day or a work day, um, or even if you've traveled on vacation, just looking forward to come back home, there's no place like home. 
And so it's important that you create that atmosphere, not only for the immediate members of the family, but also for anyone who steps in the home, right? So my friends, my you know extended family, when they come in, they need to feel welcome. They need to feel like, um, you know, that they don't want to leave, you know? And um, so that's what comes to mind, that it, it doesn't, it should be a place of warmth, a place of love, a place where people feel comfortable to be there and um, in fact, don't want to leave. And uh, many times we've had, sometimes um, our church has what we call house church. So if you go back to the beginning of the first century church, um, that's really how they held churches. It wasn't in these um, grand buildings that we know today called church. It was people met in each other's home and they broke bread um, together and um, they shared everything that they had. And so I think this is what Elizabeth is, um, is um, referring to is that the home needs to be a place where people come and feel warmth they feel God's love they feel like man I don't want to leave because I feel I feel comfortable here I feel welcome and I feel safe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and I agree with Nicole and just to build on what Nicole is saying maybe uh, practical practically speaking and being very honest that it is a battle it's not easy to make our homes a safe haven because we are sinners and we are going to struggle with, you know, lack of patience and, you know, lack of faith or lack of love at times. I think about, you know, when I read the passage, I thought about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians um, chapter five, I think it's 21 to 23, it talks about nine fruit of the spirit and love, joy, patience, you know, self-control, kindness, perseverance these um are you know peace uh, attributes and uh, qualities of God that we all strive to have so that we can create that safe haven and I think that for me it has to start with me if I'm not joyful if I'm not in love if I'm not looking forward to life because you know at times um, just to be very honest, there are times that I struggle with a mild depression and it can be tough and it can be like, it's not just rejoicing the Lord always. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's something that comes over and, and it has sometimes no explanation. So I have found that I really need to make time for myself. Being a mother of three and a wife and even when I was single, like the passage saying here, even if we're not married, that to create that safe haven, I needed to, and still need to find that um, strength from God and make sure that I, on a daily basis and consistently, I'm in the word and I'm in prayer and I'm studying those scriptures, even if I read them over and over again, because I need that vitamin. Mm -hmm. And I can give that to those that are in my home and those like Nicole was saying, those that come. So when she, Nicole was uh, talking about that people would come and visit and not want to leave, I think about hospitality. And I think that that's very difficult to offer hospitality. The Bible says you need to do that um, without, you know, being grudgeful, like offer hospitality. So I think that whether our house is a mansion or it's tiny or it's medium size or it's not perfect, that we still 
make that sacrifice and open our home and because that's biblical and give and receive joy from having you know people over and serving those that are at our home and being served as well mm-hmm. so that's what i think i think also about chores <laughs> like when i was unmarried and i was living with roommates i think that that's very important you know making mm-hmm. sure that everybody shares now mm-hmm. that my kids are growing up they have their chores and believe me it's harder it's easier for me to do it all and my husband to do it all than hold them accountable but when we hold them accountable it helps the house be a haven you know so right yeah. and that's interesting because i remember uh christelle before you were married that you had a roommate Teresa, and i used to come by to your home and even as single women you were very hospitable it was always uh you know a place where i always felt welcome so this is definitely something that we should cultivate whether we are married or not and I thought that you really did a, a great job of, of doing that. Thank you. And we've got a comment from Jasenia. Jasenia says, when I think of a home as a haven, I don't necessarily think of a place where everything is perfect, but rather a place where you feel loved and accepted, regardless of what you have going on. Sometimes home is hectic, but it is always a place you want to go at the end of the day. It's your refuge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. And I think with, with her comment, um, it, it makes me think of gratitude that, you know, we have to be grateful for the home that we have and, mm-hmm. and be content. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can be tempted to be like, oh, but so-and-so's home is better, yeah. you know, nicer. But I like what she said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely on point. Yeah. So on page 84 of the book, uh, Elizabeth writes, For the best marriage possible, both husband and wife are to leave the union and the emotion previously enjoyed with parents and family and to cleave or glue themselves to their mate. Simply stated, our husband is to be a higher priority than our kids, parents, family, friends, Christian women, work and workmates, hobbies, etc. Our husband is to be second only to God in our allegiance and loyalty. What do you guys think about that passage? Um, yes, I think that it's very important that we look at this passage and, and, um, abide by it because it's not a feeling. At times I feel like I love my children more than my husband. It's not a feeling. It's, um, a decision that my husband is going to come first and that he's going to be a priority. And, um, so I think that's day by day. It's not, I don't think it's easy because it maybe doesn't come naturally um i think about my grandmother you know she was from palestine she actually had a very long life she lived until she was 102 but i always remember her um she had she uh, raised me for like 10 years she would always tell me i don't think it's it's okay for women to argue with their husbands in public or in front of the children or in front of visitors when I speak to your grandfather I do it in the bed at night you know in private and and she would always say that and I think that's so key like we can disagree we can um, bring everything out to the open but it's got to be with respect and in a way that is going to honor our partners and not humiliate them 
you know, and if we do fall short, that we can always say, have the humility to say, I'm so sorry. I fell short in this area. I'm, I'm sorry for that. That was my husband who I was putting first. <laughs> he just came home from work and was peeking in. Um, so I, you know, when I read this passage, I, I thought it was interesting because I think as women, we have a tendency to put our children first because they're needy, right? As they're growing up, they need us. They need wisdom. They need guidance. They need to be told how to live life, right? Um, so that takes a lot of attention. It takes a lot of time. And because it takes that kind of attention and time, it's very easy to make them the priority. And then, you know, the husband who can fend for himself, you know, kind of takes a back seat. And I've seen uh, a number of women that I know that I'm familiar with. Come on, say hi to everybody. This is a live webinar. You can say hello to everyone. Here says, here's Juan, everybody. This Hola. is my husband. Hola. Hola. Hey guys. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> see you guys. Sorry. Um, he had to see it for himself. Yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> so, um, so yes, I think it's very easy uh, as women for us to just put them, you know, second um, and not not remember what the order of priority is uh, according to God, but that we can maintain our loyalty to our husband and still uh, give the children the necessary focus that they need in order to, for them to be raised up uh, in, a, in a solid Christian household. And, and by the way, I also think that it's important for children to witness that, that we do put our spouse in a, in a totally separate category, that they are very important. It's important for them to see a healthy, godly marriage so that they know that that's something that they should aspire to also um, live uh, as they get older. Mm -hmm. And I think something that I forgot to mention about parents. So, you know, we, we all come from different walks and different experiences. In my case, I'm very close to my parents and was very close to my grandmother as well. I had her for a long time. Um, and I had to build a relationship with my mother-in-law. And I think that the way that my husband puts me first before his own mother but with, you know, still meeting her needs, I need to do the same because I, I, I know that um, that scripture uh, talks about, I think it, what it's referring to is making sure that the main influence in your life is obviously God and then your husband mm -hmm. and not your family members. And I think that's tricky because at times, you know, family members can be critical of our spouses. So we have to be careful. Yeah, and, and I love that you said that. One of the uh, rules that Juan and I adopted very, very early on in our marriage is that we're kind of two rules. So the first rule was that we would not share with our um, families if we had any issues with each other in our marriage. We were going to resolve our issues with each other or with uh, another godly couple from the church or from with our pastors. And then um, the other uh, rule that we uh, put in place was that we would never um, criticize each other in front of our family members, right? So um, whatever our families always saw from us is, you know, we're united, we're positive, and whenever we've had our issues, we've worked them out. And what's happened over time is that our families love us both and respect us both. We've been able to garner that from both sides of the family. Um, and they see how strong our marriage is as a result of that. 
And what we've avoided is also having our family members um, create opinions about our marriage, our situation, or the other spouse, uh, because we've been able to, to do that. Uh, it, trust me, it's not easy, right? Because when you do have issues, the first thing you want to do is you want to turn to someone that you trust. But we've learned to trust people who um, are going to value our marriage, right? Are not going to just um, uh, speak poorly of the other spouse because what happens is they tend to hold on to the vision that's been painted of the spouse during the conflict. And after you've forgiven your spouse, somehow they hold on to that. That becomes their vision, of the spouse. And we've avoided that. And we've been married now for 18 years. Um, and we we're really, um, we're really thankful that we've put that rule in place, uh, those two rules in place. And uh, it's been something that's been really helpful to our marriage. Yes. So Elizabeth gives, gives us some God's uh, guidelines for marriage. So here are some of the guidelines. He says, one, help your husband, follow your husband's leadership, respect your husband, and love your husband. And these, all, these four guidelines she took directly from scripture, and I've uh, pointed out here the scriptures that she used to, to uh, back up her uh, guideline. Are there any of these uh, guidelines that come naturally to you, and are, are any of them that come at a more of a challenge? <laughs> yes, so for, for me, um, helping my husband comes naturally, but following his leadership, um, it, it's t it, it took a while when we first got married and um, that scripture, wife submit to your husband was one I avoided mm. for a long <laughs> time. Mm -hmm. I would see that I would just uh, almost get a, a, a chill down my, my body. But um, helping him um, from even before when we were dating, it came naturally just to um, help him think through, you know, things that he was working on or um, whether it was, you know, budgeting or um, just preparing uh, meals for him and his housemates. Those things came um, more naturally, but the, the leadership, um, you know, I, the, and I think it stemmed from the way I was brought up, my mom was a housewife. My dad um, was a uh, detective. He worked and he was the primary breadwinner and um, very, um, it, it was in, I grew up in Jamaica. So I don't want to say, you know, in my mind then it was very old fashioned with my mom seemed just, you know, whatever my, my dad just, he ruled, you know, so whatever he said went, there was no opinions given or, you know, no reasoning. It was whatever he said. And I think because of that, um, it influenced um, what I thought was the way I would be when um, I got married. And I didn't want to um, have that, what I thought my mom was being subservient, you know, if my, even for us, when my dad came home, we laid out his meal and when he got up, we cleared the table for him and literally we did everything. And I think that kind of, um, growing up, I grew up in the era of, um, we are women, hear me roar, you know? And it's, um, so it couldn't say anything against it, but um, in my mind, I thought that's not what I want for myself. And so for a very long time, I avoided that um, scripture 
Um, but within, I think within, and I can't even really pinpoint when exactly that I started to appreciate the scripture and to um, start really recognizing that it's um, the, the same way it's calling me to submit to Christ and the same way I'm saying I'm surrendering to Christ, Christ wouldn't hurt me, right? And if God is calling me to submit myself in the same way, then I have to trust that he's not going to hurt me deliberately, right? And so, and it's not him lording it over me, which is what I had thought um, growing up, but it's more of a relationship where God recognizes him as the, um, the head of the household, the one to lead us and to help us um, make it to heaven. And so, you know, once I started to appreciate that, um, then things, then I started looking at it differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went through a very similar process. And, and I think, it you know, the initial um, tug of war um, is thinking that we somehow have to give up some of ourselves in order to do that. And especially in the United States, where we are encouraged to be strong women, to be independent women, to be leaders in our own right, uh, that then you think, well, I have to submit to my husband. You think that those two things are contrary to one another, that they can't coexist. But as I've uh, studied the Bible, as my husband has grown in his own relationship with Christ, uh, and as he um, also applies uh, scripture to his own life, and when we think about how the Bible defines love in first Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. There, there's a whole list of what love is. And if you have a, a man in your life who is applying all those things in his relationship with you, then why wouldn't you want to submit to him? Mm -hmm. Right. And by the way, the Bible does also say submit to one another, right. Mm -hmm. Out of reverence for Christ. So mm -hmm. the point is that if you love each other, the way the Bible calls us to love each other, then we're going to want to submit to one another. We're going to want to love each other. It makes it quite easy. And that does not take away from who I am as, uh, you know, a strong woman in, you know, in the United States who's trying to flourish in my career and trying to, uh, you know, uh, be out there doing what other American women are doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with both of you. I think that, um, like Nicole, helping Charles can, can be easy. Following his leadership is not so easy or so natural. I think with helping our our spouses or our partners, I think that um, it can be difficult. I think that I, I have to be confident that I'm the right woman for Charles because I am a strong woman and I waited a long time to get married. I'm glad that he's also a strong brother, um, but I have to have the difficult conversations with Charles, whether it's, and in private, like my grandmother taught me, not disrespectfully, but still have the tough conversations. And that, it sometimes it's easier to just sweep it under the rug, right? As opposed to like, listen, when you said this to the children, or when you said this, or when you did this, or, and being willing to be the one that has, that, that becomes a helper and that has those tough conversations. I think that um, that's an area where, you know, how can I say, I feel honored that I get to be, you know, Charles's partner, but at the same time, I know that the responsibility that comes with it, mm -hmm. being a helper, 
because at the end, like you said, we, we all need to help each other make it to heaven. Mm -hmm. And if I see something in my best friend, I had my roommate before when, when I was not married, you know, it's not always easy to go to that person and say, wow, you know, well, I'm praying for you. I saw this in you. And there's going to be a little conflict because I know I'm very prideful. When somebody points something in me that needs to change, I, I'm not quick to say, oh, yeah, you know, so humble. I'm not. <laughs> so, um, and with respecting my husband, you know, I'm grateful that he is a man of character, you know, but there are times where I think at the beginning of our relationship where I would be like, oh, you, you should be leading in prayer. You should be the one initiating prayer. And I remember him telling me, but if you initiate prayer, so what? So what if you're the one who always wants to pray? I'll, I'll pray with you. And it helped me to see that I, can, I have strengths that are not his. And I can't compare my strengths to his weaknesses. I have to compare my strengths to his strengths and my weaknesses to his. And understand, okay, I, I'm more inclined in this way. So I'll bring that to the table without losing respect for him. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, and that's great because it actually brings me to, um, uh, oh, why did I lose my PowerPoint here? Okay. Uh, so this... Um, to this point here that she makes, she raises on page 81 where it says, as a wife, don't worry about your husband, what your husband is or isn't doing to cultivate his spiritual life. Concern yourself with making sure you are a godly wife, that your life is centered on the Lord. Then you will be a vessel God can work through. What do you guys think of that scripture? I, I think it ties in with what, what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. saying that, you know, I, you know, I learned long ago. I, I was still single. I, I must have been in my late 20s, early 30s, where I learned, like, I can only control Christelle. And even Christelle, I can't control myself. <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I have to choose how I'm going to respond to people, how I'm going to respond to my spouse. Because I can't blame it. Oh, you know, he made me do it. He made me act like this. My children made me lose my patience. I'm screaming and yelling because they made me do it. I have to make a decision. Okay, I know they're going to make me struggle. How am I going to respond to this? You know, so like, you, like the book is saying, I have to cultivate my own spirituality. And maybe by my example, right, um, I can inspire others. As opposed to pointing the finger at like what they're not doing. Oh, my spouse is not doing. So I agree with her. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that. A friend of mine told me once when um, I was um, sharing something that um, I, I think I had been almost literally nagging Dave about it. I felt like, you know, it was, you know, the, the way he's take care of, of his health, I thought... Um, wasn't the way that I wanted him to. And so I kept addressing it. And she said, you know, you should probably talk less and pray more. Mm. And so I started to do that. I started to pray, you know, so, and I've put that into practice ever since, you know, if I felt like there was an area that I thought, you know, okay, um, it's important. And I think it's right. I just would pray. I, I know I pray about it, put it before God. I'll mention it today, but you know, sometimes, and sometimes it's just someone else saying it to him, then it 
kind of a light bulb goes off. And um, I, I do, I, I loved her advice and I've put that to practice where instead of, I, instead of keep harping on it, I now just put it to God in prayer. Right. And, and I, I think that's like wonderful advice. Um, that's one of the things that I feel I need to do a little bit more because, you know, obviously one of the things I like to do first is bring it to his attention and hopeful and hope that because I've brought it to his attention that that's going to be sufficient, but taking it to God first, I think that that's a wonderful, a wonderful approach. <laughs> Amen. So here are some keys to a meaningful marriage. Um, some of the things that uh, Elizabeth points to is center your life on the Lord, pray for your husband, know your roles, study your mate, be a servant, follow your husband's leadership, make sure your husband is number one, talk things over, and make each day fun. And I've got to admit that uh, when she wrote Make Each Day Fun, I never really stopped to think about making my marriage fun. Um, not that I don't have fun in my marriage because my husband and I do have um, a lot of fun together, but she writes this here as if it's something that we need to do intentionally and make sure that we keep it at the top of our list. So while I do like to have fun with my husband, every day is not fun, but maybe I need to think about making every day a little bit more fun. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that from the points that you mentioned, the the one that stuck with me was study your mate. Because, um, you know, I learned from, you know, we, we all know um, uh, Sean Patterson, and she was uh, one of the women's ministry leaders that was um, in the Bronx. But I remember she always said, you know, the woman is always adjusting to the man. It's like the glove that adjusts to the hand and not the other way around. And I think that, as a single woman, you know, but in leadership, I learned a lot from other married women. But um, if I study my mate, it's not, um, it's a good thing. I, I can become selfless as opposed to selfish. Like it's all about, when I'm selfish, it's all about Christelle. My needs are not being met. Um, he's not making me feel special. He's not thinking about me. He didn't do this for me. He as opposed to studying him out and like, wow, why does he not talk at certain times when I'm asking him a question? Why does he like to watch this, you know, political <laughs> um, program or this sport or, or why is it that when he's closing the doors in the office space, he really doesn't want to be bothered? Like, I really need to study that out as opposed to like, you know, always think about my needs meet my needs. So when I think I can have a happier marriage, mm. when I study him out and focus on meeting his needs, mm -hmm. as, as the way that he also meets my needs, but mm -hmm. also to, so that um, I can study why we have friction, you know, but because um, my, my grandmother used to say, it takes a barrel of salt, um, eating a barrel of salt before you get to know your mate completely. In other words, the little salt that you eat every, every day in your food, that's how long it's going to take a lifetime to meet, to get to know your mate. So you have to study your mate. I like that point. Mm -hmm. And I like what you were saying about making it fun. 
yeah. making time for intimacy, <laughs> you're not being too tired or too yeah. busy, you know, or yeah. you know, just making that a focus, the, the fun part, I like that. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> as we're talking about husbands, I, I do want to make a distinction because this is about husbands. This is not about boyfriends, right? So I, sometimes we get into relationships when we're single and we start assigning um, duties and responsibilities to a boyfriend that God has assigned to a husband. And we need to be ready to make that distinction that unless you are married, then God does not expect all of these special privileges to be given to your boyfriend. These special privileges are meant to be given to a husband. So um, just keep that in mind, please. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> you guys can see my slides, right? No. Uh, no, not anymore. Oh, see, that's what I was trying to figure out what was going on here. Okay, did I stop sharing? I think I stopped sharing. Okay, that's what it was. Here we go. Can you see them now? Perfect. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. All right. So um, uh, we're going to wrap up our conversation on marriage with these two scriptures. Um, she says that we should pay attention to a few don'ts. And she mentions Proverbs 19, 13, which says a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. And Proverbs 27, 15, it says a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> just reminds me not to nag my husband, right? And not to be um, constantly picking fights with him. How, what do you guys think about these scriptures? Yeah, I, another one that comes to mind is uh, better a place on the roof than in the house with a, a nagging wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, you know, as, I'm, as you read it, I thought, oh my God, Debbie Downer. But yeah, who wants to be with someone who's constantly nagging you. Right. So it's very, I think it's very important. I think this goes back to the advice that, um, you know, my um, friend and sister gave me, which is, you know, pray more and um, talk, talk less, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, engage with, you know, if you, if your husband has, um, a man in his life who he who he respects you can you know maybe share share it with someone that you know he respects mm -hmm. who will be able to use the scriptures to help him as opposed to you constantly badgering him I, I think it's important because then it goes back to just the home right and the tone of the home and so if you're constantly nagging him um then that home is no longer that um that safe place right 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 mm -hmm. yeah. I agree with nicole i think when when i thought when i looked at these two scriptures first of all i'm extremely challenged by those two scriptures because you know i'm a very latina woman <laughs> not to be stereotypical i'm always speaking talking and even you know my children who pointed out when I am being quarrelsome or when I'm dripping on a rainy day, they'll let me know, and my husband as well. But I do think that, you know, when Nicole was speaking, it, I was thinking about the same thing. I need to pray more and give, because if I'm constantly repeating my needs, and don't forget this, and you do this, and you always do this, and if I'm constantly repeating, then 
there's a lack of trust in me that I'm not putting this in God's hands. I'm repeating it because I'm not feeling hurt or, or I'm, I don't think it's going to change. So I agree with Nicole's, you know, back to that advice, I pray more and do more and speak at the right time, not constantly nag. So it's an area that I definitely need to repent of and change, but every day, you know, you work at it. And, and when it's pointed out by your children or by your spouse, then be humble enough to see it as opposed to like, no, I'm not being that way. Mm-hmm. Defensive and prideful, no, you know what? It's a mirror. Because right. your children and your spouse, they know you the best. They see all stages. So you have to accept that. That God is trying to point out something in you that needs to change. And with prayer, it can change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me, I was in Disney World um, a couple of months ago and Mahuan and I were sitting on one of the buses <clears throat> that was going to one of the parks and there was um, a couple there with children and the wife was clearly quarrelsome. Uh, she was really upset with her husband about the fact that it was raining outside and they were going to the park and they should have gone to another park and she told him she should have, they should have gone to the park and you could tell he was trying to please her. He was like, well, no big deal. We'll just get back on the bus and we'll go back. No, but there's traffic now and it's raining. It's like, it didn't matter what he said. She had something to say. And I, I, I was looking at him. I was looking at her. And clearly this was a pattern in their relationship. You could tell this was a pattern. He looked like he was just maybe beaten up or he's used to being beaten up by her. And that she's just used to always being quarrelsome. And when you get into this habit of being that way in your relationship, now it's no longer something that just happens at home in the privacy uh, under your roof. Now you're taking it out into the streets, Disney World on a bus for people to see, like me and my husband watching you, you know, treat your husband like he's another child. <laughs> and that's what it gets down to. And this is, you know, so, so we need to really stop and think about our behavior and how we treat our husbands and how we treat our children. And we're going to start talking about children uh, next. But it's not just something that happens in the home. It will actually go outside. And we're not only treating our, chil- our husband like children, but we're also um, creating a bad spectacle for ourselves when we, when we do these kinds of things. So it's just a broader, a broader implication for something that maybe we start at home doing something small. Maybe it's just a little bit of nagging, but then it could become a much bigger thing. Yeah. And, and, and just really quickly, when we do that, you know, the men will shut down on us. Mm-hmm. They will shut down and stop, you know, connecting, stop listening, stop talking. It's like they tune us out and that's painful. Yes. So you don't want to grow old and just grow apart. Yeah. Because really there's no connection there. Yeah. Yeah. And as you say that, right, uh, the Bible clearly tells us wives respect your husbands, right? It's a command. And mm-hmm. one of the ways we disrespect our husbands is by being extra quarrelsome, right? Um, so something just to keep in mind that when we disrespect them, just like you said, Christelle, they shut down, they no longer engage. And then if we keep berating them and keep coming after them, we're, we're not going to get them to change their behavior. We have to love them and respect them in order to have them re-engage and contribute to the marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. So now let's talk about mommyhood. So uh, Elizabeth lays out some guidelines for moms on pages 88 through 90. She says, teach your children, train your children, love your children, and prize your children. 
And then she also provides some keys to effective mothering on pages 91 through 94. Uh, and I've, they're all listed here on the PowerPoint. So would love to hear uh, from Christelle and Nicole, um, what have been some of the um, items that you've been able to apply, any of the guidelines or effective, uh, or keys to effective mothering that you have found have been beneficial in your own home? Well, when I look at this list, um, you know, it's all so good. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think about what she's saying, be there. It's so important to be there because, you know, sometimes our children might be telling us something or sharing something with us that deep inside we're like, you know what, this is not what I want to listen to right now. I have 10,000 things in my mind and my agenda and boxes, check, check. I need to check them off. And it's like, and they know. They know <coughs> you're there with them or not. And so <coughs> I've had to, from the moment that they were children, but even at the stage, I mean, infants, toddlers, and now I've had to understand that it's okay that time takes a stand still and that what I'm doing right now is spending time with each one of them. And like Nicole, I have three. So I really have to spread myself, you know, in three ways. And um, teaching them that my time is also important, but when they're sharing, because I don't think that children are going to lock face with you, like, let's talk now and let's lock face. And it's when you least expect that they're going to tell you something important and you need to be attentive. They'll tell you something that happened in school. They'll tell you something that might uh, rise up, raise up an alarm. So, um, so that's something that I've been trying to practice and to try to spend individual time with, with them because they compare themselves to each other and they're different. Um, so I guess that's what I want to say um, about that part. That's great. I, I, I think for, um, the list is excellent and I mean, I've, I, you know, looking at the list, uh, I, I've done every, everything that's there, um, but I think the, the most in, important thing in terms of, um, is just, you know, encouraging them because, um, you know, when they were in elementary school or, you know, if they had um, a teacher that they didn't connect with too well, um, you know, just knowing that you are there, not advocating for them if they've done something wrong, that advocating for them if they feel like you know they they can't do something or they're finding something more challenging knowing that you know um they have your support even to this day they're in college i mean my son sent a text um to our family group chat uh can you pray for me for this particular exam so just knowing that um they have people who are rooting for them praying for them i think that's important um that helps them to feel safe. And, you know, one of the things, even as they were growing up, I would say, you know, we love you, but who loves you the most? You know, who loves you more than, you know, mommy and daddy? We'll, they would always say God. I said, yes, he loves you in a way that we could never, ever love you. So I think it's important for them to, to know that. And, um, and um, you know, the modeling, the godly character, they'll call you out in a minute, you know, <laughs> so, you know, you can say one thing, but if you, if, if you're doing something else, they'll, they'll, they're the first one to, um, 
to, to point it out, you know, so the, the authenticity, you know, letting them know when you've messed up and apologizing when they pointed out, you know, I'm sorry. Um, and not thinking, well, I'm the parent, so I don't need to apologize, but, you know, being, being humble and, and hearing what they have to say. You know, one of the things I used to do because I would get home and I would be tired before I got out of the car, I would pray, God, I've given how many hours to my job? Help me to go in and to be there now for my kids. You know, the, the homework, the projects, you know, whatever they had on their plate, help me to give in the same way I just gave to my job and even more. And it literally, I would have to pray that. Yeah. Um, that's so good. I think, um, you know, to... Um, God's guidelines, the last one says, prize your children. And then in the keys to effective mothering, it talks about, um, sorry, be your children's number one encourager. So I think, you know, just briefly, you have to treasure your children. You have to, it's difficult when you're in the thick of it. And I think that it never stops, whether they're in college, like Nicole's children, and then they become adults. And now, you know, Ellie, you guys are, you know, grandparents now. Like, it doesn't stop, you know, or the stage that I'm in right now where, uh, like, I don't know, they're more independent. But it's still not this, how can I say, when you're pricing them, you're not designed for them to, oh, I can't wait for them to be at a different stage. I can't wait. Like, I remember when they were toddlers, babies. And I would hear other mothers, I can't wait for them to be walking. I can't wait for them. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy every stage from pregnancy to crawling to, you know, right now, Hannah, my youngest one, is the only one in my building. So I have to, as much as she comes and sits on my desk and I don't like it because she'll start maneuvering with my desk, I have to understand one day she's not going to be in my building soon. So treasuring that, prizing them. And then be the number one encourager, like Nicole was saying, making sure that I have those words of encouragement. So sometimes Charles and I will team up when he's doing the disciplining in terms of like pointing out what they need to change, what they need to grow in. Then I'll say, but this is what you're doing really well. This is what, you know, I'm proud of you in this area. So adding that to the conversation and making sure that I my my language is encouraging. That's great. That's great. So Brittany asked a quick question. She said, what is the scripture that talks about children must obey your mother and father? Uh, so there's a um, scripture, Colossians 3.20, children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. And there's also Ephesians 6, one says, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Yes. Um, I think in, also in the Old Testament with the commandments, it talks about one of the commandments is honor your mother and father so that you can have long life. Yes. You think about having a long life because you obey your parents. That's mm -hmm. Exodus twenty twelve. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Amen. All right. So we have got about 10 minutes to wrap up um, to talk about guidelines for homemaking and then also for finances. So let's try to squeeze this in in 10 minutes. So um, very quickly on the guidelines for homemaking, 
Uh, we see build your home, watch over your home, manage your home, love your home, and then some disciplines that include be dedicated to your home, be a woman of prayer, be aware of the basics, be the queen of the schedule, be organized, be there, be the best, be reading, be frugal, and be creative. Which of these have you applied uh, that has been very effective for you in your homemaking? Um, I can tell you that, you know, all of these are great and they're challenging. But I can say that I've always been a frugal person. Uh, I learned that from my grandmother who was, like I said, from Palestine. Then she gave that to my mom. My mom, thank God, has done very well financially, but she's old frugal to this day. She's retired and doesn't owe anything, no debt, but she's still frugal. So I've learned that from her. I think that um, maybe I'm not as frugal as she is, but um, spending when you need to spend because you can't live your life miserably. You have to take your vacations. You have to, you know, buy what your kids need. You have to eat good food whenever you can get organic, get the good stuff, you know, go to a restaurant one day and um, go to the movies, but do I? But do I need to go to the store and buy you know something I don't need? Do I need to always desire purchasing something like being self-controlled in that area, paying my bills, making sure that okay, I borrowed this, let me make sure I pay it back. And even if I have debt, I I, I have debt right now, but having a plan of how am I going to you know manage this, you know pay it off and still live a life that is quality. So that's an area that is a strength for me, being frugal, but at the same time, not being generous. You can't just be frugal and to your family and to others. Right. And be creative, I guess, goes along with it. You know, whatever you can get, whatever you can recycle, whatever clothes mm-hmm. you can receive, hand-me-downs and, you know, Figure it out. Like, how can you, what, what areas can you save it? Right. Right. You know, and since we're talking about that and we only have a few minutes, why don't we go into that section and start talking about uh, managing finances? Why don't we go ahead and do that? So um, Elizabeth lays out some disciplines for managing money. Uh, she mentions, owe no one anything. Don't spend more than you make. Don't buy on credit. Don't envy other, what others have. Don't love money. Give regularly to your church. Give generously. Be aware of your financial condition at all times. Keep a reserve and practice self-control. Uh, so, Krista, you mentioned being frugal. Um, and, uh, Nicole, any of these that resonate with you most? Um, yes. Uh, so, you know, being aware of the fi- your financial conditions at all times, that has some- been something that I've been um, on top of since I was single. Um, always, uh, and even to this day, my friends pointed out that I don't need to do it anymore, but I still keep those little registers that you get from the bank and everything that is spent, it's accounted for there and um, I balance everything out. Um, Dave and I recently, because the our sons are almost well, sorry, we, we can't see your face on the screen. Okay, yeah, sorry. There you go. <laughs> so, so recently, Dave and I finished this um, course called um, Financial Peace. It's Dave Ramsey's um, course because as our sons are 
wrapping up and we no longer will be responsible for paying tuition, you know, we can now get our finances. Um, we don't have to allocate portions of our finances anymore to their um, college career. And so um, we are, we've paid off, the only debt that we have um, is the, our mortgage. And um, so Dave Ramsey has a whole program. If I don't know how many of you are aware of his program, but his whole thing is for you to pay for everything using cash. Um, we still have a credit card because there's some recurring um, expenses like our, you know, easy pass and things like that, that I'm not going to use my debit card for. So, but I do believe, like he said, you know, the, the more you can, if you, if he had a, a, a he had a Proverbs or a scripture that talked about owing when you owe money, what it's like. It's almost like you're being choked, right? Mm -hmm. But once you get rid of that debt, you can give even more generously. And so that's where Dave and I are aiming to, that's what we're aiming towards now is just, um, we're now in the portion of the program where we are saving, um, we feel like six months worth of um, our expenses. And then the next thing you tackle is your mortgage. So we've, we have no debt, like I said, we, um, other than those recurrent which we pay every month when the bill comes, it's immediately paid. So I, I, I believe it, it gives you a freedom when you are careful with the money that God has blessed us with and then given to the church um, we do believe in tithing, um, and you know, no matter what's going on, we we do tithe um, because we feel, you know, we believe God gave us our jobs, and He says He would provide for our needs, and we need to give back. Not that He needs our money, but um, giving back to the church allows um, the church to help others, just like I was helped. You know, someone met me, invited me to church, studied the Bible with me. And, um, you know, it, it goes towards building ministries in, you know, um, places where they can't afford to pay people to be on staff. You know, one of the countries that are supported is my country. So um, those are the things that resonate well with me. You know, not buying anything on credit. I, I don't know how practical that is. Like I said, I'm hesitant to use my debit card for things because with the age of um, identity theft and things like that, I think you have to just be that much more careful. So I think it's being wise with what you do put on credit. Mm -hmm. I agree. And, um, <clears throat> you know, speaking for myself, when I was um, single right before I got married, I was, um, had an incredible amount of debt hanging over my head, both student loan debt from law school and then also credit card debt. I didn't know how to manage my credit card. And one of the things that I ended up doing was I'm going to uh, one of these not-for-profits that help you to restructure your credit card debt. So basically you have to shut down all of your cards. They restructure the debt. They negotiate with the credit card companies to get you a lower interest rate. And then they put you on a payment plan. And that's actually where I learned discipline, right? I learned, um, the discipline of having to pay it off every month until I finally paid it off. And that gave me the courage and the, um, the wherewithal to also start paying off my student loan debt. 
Uh, I did have to get another job because I was working a government job and the salary just wasn't sufficient for me to cover uh, the student loan debt. Um, and I ended up getting another job, a corporate job. And that did give me enough money and I was able to pay down the debt. Uh, and it took several years, but it took a lot of discipline. Today, I am absolutely debt free. Um, I do buy on credit, but it's because I now have the discipline to pay things off when the bill comes in and I don't spend more than, um, than I can afford. So my husband and I, we've got this rule that if we can't pay for it cash, we're not buying it. We're not doing it. We just don't do it. Um, because we don't want to, um, make it a layaway system for ourselves because that's when you start getting in trouble. That's when the interest rates accumulate. Um, but it's given us, like you said, Nicole, a lot of freedom to be able to do things that we enjoy knowing that we don't have the debt. And being able to put the, the same amount of money, the nest egg, right? I think at this point we have about 18 months worth of savings in the bank. We also did the Dave Ramsey um, course uh, several years ago. So that was a solid foundation for us. Uh, mm -hmm. So we, we I, my husband and I, we recommend that to anyone uh, who wants to learn more about finances. And what Nicole mentioned was um, Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. You can, you can Google it and you can find it. So um, ladies, we have reached our hour and I am so blessed that we've had this opportunity to have this conversation. Do you guys have any uh, parting thoughts or comments for our audience today? I, I'm just wondering, Ellie, I see the chat going. Do they have questions? So let me see. Um, I don't see any new comments. Do you see any new comments? The last comment I see on my screen. I don't is, see the comments, but I just saw chat 20. Yeah, I see my last comment was at 7.53 from Brittany. I am a woman of prayer because I always spend time with God every day, and I am very organized because I do my monthly women's gathering for my ministry. God bless you, Brittany. That's wonderful. And then, okay. oh, Brittany did ask one question. She said, do we talk about finances to our family members? What, what do you guys do? Do you guys talk to your family members about your finances? Ooh. Hmm. Do you think she means our children or, or just family members? I don't think Brittany has children, so I'm assuming she means extended family. I think, um, yes, we do. Um, there are times where, like right now, you know, Charles and I are in a plan, a serious radical plan of eliminating debt, debt that was construction from rebuilding our home, um, not necessarily from just going out shopping, things that we needed to do. But um, uh, I was going to say, so when, there are times where I have, you know, spoken to my mom and my dad and they have, you know, helped me um, with our children. We also speak and keep it very real when I don't think we share everything with them, but I think when they start comparing, especially because they go they go to a school that is, uh, the community is very affluent and they start thinking about they have this and they have that and they want this and they want that. It's like, listen, we, this is what we can do for you. And this is, are we poor? No, no, we're not poor. We're hardworking people. But even if we had, we're going to stick to this budget. Yes. So I think my answer is yes. You know, I share to the extent that is appropriate. I do share. Uh, with my family members because you know maybe they can pray for me maybe they can lend a hand maybe they can guide me or if it's children they can 
have a sense of reality that everything takes work, sacrifice, and discipline. Great. Thank you for that response. And thank you so much for everyone for uh, tuning in. Uh, join us next week. We're going to continue with our Bible study series. We're going to be talking about managing your social life as well as managing your mental life. We are so blessed that you uh, follow us during these Bible talk discussions, and we look forward to your future participation. Have a great night. And thank you, Christelle and Nicole. You guys have been fabulous. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Ellie. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Christelle. Bye. Say bye to Snowy. <laughs> I will. Good night. Take care. Good night. Bye-bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.